Well, my name, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. My name's Dustin, and I'm the director of Life Leadership College here at Life Church. We want to welcome you to our service today as we conclude our summer series called Boats, which is based on a true story where uh, the past few weeks we've been walking through these different stories in the Bible to find out uh, kind of how we fit into the narrative and how it applies to our lives today. And we've heard from a host of different speakers. It's been incredible to be a part, but as we come to a close, a, a conclusion to that series. I want to go on one last journey. So w- will, you go, will you go on that journey with me down a particular road? The, the Bible has a lot to say about roads. There's a lot of things that happen on roads, obviously. There's uh, a few famous roads in the Bible. One is the Damascus Road. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. That is where, where a man named Saul uh, he went out on that road and met a, a, an ascended Christ who came back and, and visited him. It blinded him, and through a series of events, Saul became Paul and then wrote the majority of the New Testament. That was the Damascus Road. You've got the, the road in which the Good Samaritan found a half-beaten, almost dead man lying on the road where many other people had already passed by, but this Good Samaritan stopped to pick up this man and to clothe him, to give him a place to rest and to feed him, and to make him well again before sending him off. That's that road. And then you've got the, uh, the road that Jesus actually talks about. He, he says that there is a wide gate and a broad road that... The majority of people in this world are on, and it leads on a path to death and destruction. And then you've got the small gate and the narrow road uh, that, that very few are on, but it leads to eternal life. Roads are important. Important events often take place along roads. Our, our journey today, as we conclude this series, is along a particular road, one towards Emmaus. So if you want to grab your Bibles, you can go with me to Luke chapter 24. We're going to journey along the Emmaus Road. It's the last part of the gospel here. Everything, for the most part, has already happened. I mean, Jesus was born, obviously. He has, he has done the miracles that uh, were prescribed of him. He has uh, been arrested, tried, persecuted, crucified, and, and buried. And we are now here in the wake of his resurrection. The tomb has been found empty. And the rumors began to circulate and to spread very, very quickly And because people couldn't make sense of what all was going on. A group of women, they had found, they'd come to the tomb early in the morning and it was empty. And maybe they didn't even see any guards around and so they were confused. They didn't know what was going on, but, but Jesus was not there. And so they ran back to tell all their friends and then, I, I mean, you can only imagine what kind of conversations were happening based on that. Most of the disciples did not believe that Jesus had actually rose again or that he was missing from the tomb. Would you? That like, if, if, if someone came up to you and said, hey, your friend died, oh yeah, but also he didn't. So like, that'd be very, very difficult for us, to, for us to make sense of. Here in Luke 24, verse 13, we find two disciples that are traveling along the road to Emmaus. Only one of them is going to be named, but for now, they're, they're both unnamed. I want us to look at two things as we read kind of their, their story. I want us to look at what happens and what is said. As we read this final story in this series about the road to Emmaus, I want, to, I want us to look at what actually happens, the events 
that occur along this road, and then I want us to look at what is said by both the disciples and the one they meet here on the Emmaus Road. Luke 24, verse 13. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. It was about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood there, they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but did not find his body. They came and told us what they had seen, a vision of angels who had said that he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Can we pause right here? We're not done with the story yet, but it's already so good. So much has already happened in just a matter of verses. There's so the two disciples are walking down along this road to a village of Emmaus, and they're having a conversation about the things that are transpiring. And, and we don't know exactly what is being said, but, but you can imagine if you place yourself there in that situation, in the shoes, maybe you're one of the disciples, you, your, your conversation might be one of uh, arguing where, where one person uh, believes one thing and one person believes the other, but you don't have all the facts, and so it doesn't make sense. Uh, uh, you remember, these ladies that went to the tomb are the only ones that are saying Jesus is not there. His body cannot be found. We do not know where our Messiah has been or where has gone, and so the, the, the conversation could be one of arguing. It could be one where they're just dumbfounded, like they have no idea what to believe or what to expect, and so they're just going on about their life, hoping to, hoping to hear more news uh, later, later in the day. Maybe even they are, uh, they're talking peacefully, trying to piece together all that was going on as if it were a puzzle, but in the middle of their discussion, Jesus shows up, and they don't recognize him. And we don't know exactly why they don't recognize him. Maybe it's because uh, they were, weren't paying attention fully. I mean, it does say that they were kind of downcast, that they were looking down. Maybe they didn't fully take in and recognize who they were with. I don't think it was just that. Maybe it was, uh, maybe it was they, were, they were already so confused about all that was, was going on. And so they, they, they couldn't quite possibly think that Jesus would now be walking along beside them. I think at least in part, God was maybe shielding their eyes to some degree so that they couldn't clearly and fully see Jesus in his fullness. Either way, they did not recognize him. And at first glance, for us, reading in, looking in, this might seem, this might seem crazy, right? H how can you be talking about the Lord and not recognize that he is right there next to you? But doesn't that sounds all too familiar. I, I, I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I have found myself in times of, of conversations with people when we're talking about God, 
or I've even been in times of prayer where I've been praying directly to God. I've, I've been talking to God while forgetting that God is actually there with me right then and there. Okay. Once again, you don't have to confess anything today. I'm up here, I've got the microphone, so I'll confess. I'll just be vulnerable before you. Uh, here's confession time. I work at a church, and so uh, my day-to-day revolves around Jesus' things. So, uh, so my day-to-day is Jesus' books, and Jesus' blogs, and Jesus' videos, and Jesus' sermons. It's very easy for me to get wrapped up in things about Jesus and miss the fact that Jesus is there with me in those very moments. Maybe you can relate. Think about that in your own life. I mean, seriously, think about that in your own life. Are are your day-to-day conversations, the things that you talk about, the people that, that, that you meet and, and have conversations with, are they framed in such a way that when you're done, that, that, that you are speaking from the realization that the Lord is actually with you as you're having those conversations? Are your day-to-day actions done with the reality that Jesus himself is not, is not like some distant deity high up in the clouds that is so, so uh, foreign and so uh, far apart from w- what you're experiencing, but instead of that, he is very near to you in the things that you choose to do and the places that you choose to go. It can be very easy for us to do Jesus things, have Jesus conversations, to miss Jesus in the process. So these disciples, they're traveling along this road to Emmaus, and Jesus shows up, and he asks a simple question. I think Jesus already knew the answer to it, but he does say, what are you guys talking about? And I absolutely love this portion of scripture because this man named Cleopas begins to explain the story of Jesus to Jesus. Try that. It's not going to go well for you. I mean, that, that, that doesn't make sense. It, it, he tries to explain the story of Jesus to Jesus. And get this, Cleopas knew the facts really well. He knew the story extremely well. He knew that Jesus was a prophet, knew that he was a powerful man, both in word and in deed. He knew even the history behind it, that, that Jesus had been handed over to the chief priests and the rulers to be sentenced to death Cleopas knew that he was crucified, that he was buried. And what's more, he even knew that on the third day, the Messiah was supposed to be resurrected. So uh, Cleopas was very knowledgeable concerning the things of the Lord, yet his doubts were exposed and his heart was revealed. I mean, look at what Cleopas had to say. We, We already read it, but in verse 21, he said, We had hoped... We had hoped that he was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped, uh, signifying that we hope no longer. We had hoped that he was going to come and redeem Israel. So so both of these things, that that he would redeem Israel, the the expectations of Cleopas, Cleopas and the other disciples fell entirely short of what Jesus truly came to do. Do you understand that? Jesus didn't just come to redeem Israel. If that was the case, then you and I, (laughs) I mean, unless you're from Israel, hi, welcome, but like the the majority of us, 
The majority of us, what what would that mean for us? If he just came to redeem these people, see, these people, the disciples, a lot of the disciples, a lot of these Jewish people, men and women, they were hoping for some earthly king to show up on the scene that would conquer their mortal enemies, and in the process, they missed the eternal king who was coming to conquer the world of, of sin and come to bring the world of life. They, they, they had missed the point. So they, they were so caught up in looking for the crown of Jesus that they missed the cross of Jesus. I mean, that happens to us all the time. We want the, we want the good things of the Lord. We don't want the hardships of life. We want his victory and his might. We want the powerful, resurrected king, and, and we, we want to ignore the suffering servants. You can translate that to many, many different areas of your life, but the reality is still there. I think what we're seeing here in in this story, in this occasion, is that these disciples had a belief here in their minds, but, but that it had not yet translated to their hearts. They had a belief in their mind about Jesus, but a disbelief in their hearts about Jesus. We see this revealed very clearly in Jesus' rebuke. Can we continue to read verse 25? Hope you didn't close your Bible. Verse 25. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what he had said in the scriptures concerning himself. You see, the disciples had a heart issue. They they had all the facts intellectually, but that didn't fully permeate to to their hearts. And before you're too hard on the disciples, I think there's a real warning here in Jesus' statement for you and for me. In our day and age, are you following? In our day and age, it is very, very easy for us to be so caught up in in the things that we can learn about Jesus. We have limitless supplies of resources and and books and podcasts and sermons and and Bible studies. There's something for everybody, and you can learn all about Jesus, but you can still miss having a relationship with him. You can learn all there is to know about Jesus. Many people believe that he exists, that he existed at least. That's not enough. There are many people that know a lot about him, but in the process miss what matters most, a relationship with him. At the end of your life, do you want it said of you that you knew all the stories of Jesus but that you didn't know the person of Jesus. I mean, we, we have been through this entire series this summer, story, based on true story. We've, we've been going through stories in the Bible, and so now you probably know more, if you've been here a part of the series, you know more about Moses. You, you know now about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know about Jacob and Leah. You've even heard some about the miracles of the Messiah. But do you know Jesus? That's, that's what it's all about. It, do you know him? 
If there's one point in the entirety of this message, if there's one point in the entirety of this series, it's this. Are you ready? If you're writing anything down, write this, and it should be very easy for you to remember. One point and one point only. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. From the first page in this book to the last page in this book, it's all about him. And notice, that is what Jesus actually says in verse 27. Look, we read it. And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. We're not talking about the New Testament here. Do you know why? The New Testament had not yet been written. So the only thing that we have is what? Come on, I narrowed it down for you. The Old Testament. And so that is what Jesus begins to walk through and teach concerning himself. But how is that the case when Jesus doesn't show up until the New Testament? A lot of people believe that the first time Jesus shows up on the scene is when he was born as a baby in a manger. And while that's cute, Jesus would argue with that. Jesus would beg to differ. In fact, he did say otherwise right here because in verse 27 it says that he begins to unpack the stories and the sacrifices, the scenes and the characters that we read about in books like Exodus, Kings, and Daniel. The books like Deuteronomy and Judges and Job. So I can only imagine, but maybe when Jesus came face to face with these two disciples along the road to Emmaus, he started with creation. It's as good of a place to start as any. And maybe he said, I mean, disciples, you know that God created man, and when he did, he said, let us make man in our image. Of course, God was referring to the Holy Trinity there. And so Jesus, as son, went to work helping to form and to create the first human being. Maybe Jesus then taught about Genesis 3.15, which is the proto-evangelium, or simply it means first gospel, and Jesus talked about how he is coming to crush the head of the serpent, that that is him that the scriptures are referring to. Maybe he went on to talk about Cain and Abel, and how Abel's sacrifice was a good sacrifice, but it was not the ultimate sacrifice that would reverse the curse of sin. Maybe Jesus went on to tell the story of Noah that we tell all of our children as a cute kid's story when the reality is that like tons of people and animals drown. So uh, maybe Jesus went on to tell the story, sorry, Jesus went on to tell the story of, of Noah and how Noah um, rescued a, a handful of people on an ark, but Jesus came to rescue a lot more than a handful of people by means of a cross. Maybe he unpacked Abraham's journey and taught how he, Jesus, is a fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham that his offspring would be a blessing to the entire world. Surely Jesus, along this narrative, stopped at the story of Moses and explained that just as Moses delivered a people uh, out of slavery from Egypt, Jesus too leads us out of slavery from sin. He, maybe, maybe, maybe Jesus went on to the prophets and talked about Job who experienced suffering, unjust suffering, and how he explained how he, Jesus, is an even more innocent man and he suffered far greater things. Perhaps 
Jesus told the story of Samson. Remember the strong man with flowing hair? He told the story of Samson and how even in his death, with his might, he conquered the foes of the enemies of God during that time. But how Jesus himself delivered an even greater blow to the enemy in his death. Maybe he told the story of Ruth and how how she was redeemed by Boaz and how Jesus came to be the perfect redeemer. He could have told the story of Esther and how she risked her life to save her people, but how Jesus willingly gave his life to save his. Maybe he told the story of David, how David slew the giant's Goliath, and how Jesus stepped into defeat, sin, and death, the giants of sin and death for us. Jesus could have gone on and on and on. You see, I just did a snapshot there of what he could have taught about. But there's so much more in the Old Testament describing and defining and setting the scene for who Jesus would be. He could have gone on and on about how every story and how every prophecy and how every person in the Old Testament were mere shadows of what was to come. Life Church. If you get nothing else, not only in this message, but in all the messages combined, you need to understand this. Jesus is the centerpiece to all of Scripture. No, 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 it's it's more than that. Jesus is the centerpiece to all history. It's all about Jesus. Let me me illustrate it this way. Next month, Next month in September, September 24th, will be uh, mine and Kara's sixth year of marriage. So we'll, we'll have been married six years, and from time to time, I don't know if, if you do something similar, uh, I look back at some of our wedding photos, and I, I, I like to remember some of the uh, activities, some of the people that came that were a part of our life during that time, and so I look at some of those wedding photos, and, and it brings great joy to me, so I thought that I would share a few of them with you today. I brought just a few. The first one uh, is, is here where uh, Karen and I are obviously up front there. My dad is presiding over the ceremony. We've got friends and family on either side. It's one of my one of my favorite pictures to look back at. The second picture here is uh, freshly married. As you can tell, we are walking back down the aisle. There's a glow to our faces, and I'm pretty much standing as tall as I ever will stand because I was happy. We had just said, I do. And then this third picture is uh, at, the, at the celebration after the reception. We are at the Johnston Jamboree, and yes, we are dancing and having the time of our life with our family and friends, and uh, we're celebrating there our, our, our marriage. Now, no one looks at these pictures individually, even, and, and, and looks at the one where uh, we're walking down the aisle and says, hey, that's interesting. When did you and Kara get dressed up and walk down an aisle? No, no one looks at, at uh, some of these pictures and says, where did Kara get that white dress and for what occasion? You know, no one looks at your wedding pictures and says, when did you guys go cake cutting? That's interesting. They, they look at these individual pictures and they know that it's telling a greater story. We can look at these individual three pictures and we know that they're not just telling some, some random uh, inconsistent story, but that they together are working to tell a greater narrative of where uh, two people madly in love with one another came to commit the rest of their lives together in front of family and friends. We look at these individual pictures and we know it's telling one cohesive story about a wedding day. And so it is with the word of God. 
The Bible, the Bible contains many individual pictures. But guys, it's just one story. It's not the Old Testament and the New. It's not the, the story of Moses and, and David and, and Elijah and Peter and Paul. It's not all these individual stories that stand alone. It's that they all work together to tell one story about one person. And so, if the Bible is all about Jesus, then that means the Bible is not all about you. And it's not all about me. And it's not first and foremost about us. <laughs> and that for you should be a great relief, a weight off of your shoulders because these stories that we've been told since we were children do not require greatness out of you. These stories that we've heard don't call you to be something greater than you actually are. You, you've, you've heard about David slaying the giant, but you aren't David slaying the giants of sin in your life. You aren't, the, you aren't David slaying the giant of greed or gossip in your life. You don't have to be that David because Jesus came for you on your behalf to be that David. You don't have to be Daniel that will stand brave and tall in, in the lion's den of depression or joblessness in your life. Because Jesus came to shut the mouth of the lions and to stand tall in our place. Sure, please uh, don't misunderstand me. We can find traces of our story mixed in with the stories that are revealed in the Bible. But first and foremost, the Bible is not about you and it is not about me. It's all about Jesus. Do you get the point yet? It's all about Jesus. And this, my friends, has an unbelievable impact on your day-to-day -day relationships with, with, with everybody, with your spouse, with your boss, with your coworkers. This has a profound impact on your relationship with your children, your parents, your friends, because you are not a savior. You're not Jesus. You can't save yourself, let alone anyone else. And that's good news, because all that it requires of you is not to save people, but to live out by word and by deed the good news of Jesus Christ to others. Look, that's exactly what, what happens in our story. We, we see that as soon as the disciples discovered, I don't want to get ahead. Let's read it, all right? Verse 28 through 35, we'll conclude with this. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll conclude the story here. As they approached the village uh, to which they were going, remember, they're walking along the Emmaus Road, Jesus continued on as if he was going to go further. But they urged him strongly, hey, stay with us. It's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in and he stayed with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, he broke it and began to give it to them. And then, and only then, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. But as soon as they did, what happened? He disappeared from sight. Come on, Jesus, like we just found out it was you. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? 
They got up at once, they returned to Jerusalem, and there they found the 11, and those with them assembled together. They, and they were saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Listen, when their eyes were finally open, their hearts burned within them. They knew that this was their Messiah, and they knew that he had risen from the dead. They finally fully understood the greatness and the fullness of who Jesus was and what he had come to do. And they could sit still no longer. They had to tell everyone about their friend, the resurrected Messiah. They had to tell everyone about Jesus. Life Church, we have a message that will never lose its meaning and a Savior who will never lose his power. And so, come on, does your heart burn? Does your heart burn for the things of the Lord? Do you want to tell people? Do you even have that desire within you to, to, to spread the good news of Jesus? Is your embarrassment level over your desire for, 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 for Jesus to be known and Jesus' name to be made great? Are your eyes even open to the reality of who Jesus is? Two last verses, it's out of a different portion of text, but Jesus' words as he's speaking to some religious rulers and leaders. Listen to what he says. I think it fits perfectly here and is a good challenge for us. John 5, 39 and 40. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Don't let this be said of you. Don't, don't let it be said of you. How tragic would it be if you had perfect church attendance? If you've given a tenth of your income your entire life, if you've memorized all the different verses, and if you've gone on mission trip after mission trip, but you get to heaven one day and Jesus looks at you and says, depart from me, I never knew you. How tragic would that be? Jesus says here, the true life begins when you recognize that all of Scripture, that all of life, that your today and your tomorrow is all about Jesus. Take your eyes off of your worries, your problems. Take your eyes off of your fortunes and your failures and place your eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Look full on his wonderful face because as you do, the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace.